all and welcome to 15 Days of Festive Fear, day number 11. And I have four spooky stories for you today and the final story comes from February the 11th, 2021. And story number one comes from Georgia. My story starts when we moved house when I was around six or so. Me, my parents and my younger sister moved from a small house in town into a big Victorian house. It had a wine cellar and a large attic and many of the features were original. There were tall ceilings, large fireplaces in most of the rooms, decorative tiles and creaky floorboards throughout the house. We were so excited to have all the extra rooms to play in and I remember not thinking it strange how we suddenly had moved from our small family home into such a large house. I suppose children don't consider or have an understanding of money or mortgages and such things. We were captivated those first few months. It was like we had been transported back in time and for two imaginative young children, it was so much fun exploring and discovering hidden treasures as we renovated. Old coins under the floorboards and mummified birds that had died in the chimneys long ago. We felt at home as soon as we moved in, so we could never understand our friends' skittishness when they would come to play. They would comment on a creepy feeling within the house, and if we had a sleepover, they would refuse to go to the bathroom alone if they woke up during the night, which we found quite amusing. I remember always deliberately walking a bit too fast a pace back to the bedroom, making my friends run, squealing behind me. I always put it down to them living in modern houses and not being used to the old features and unfamiliarity of a period property. It wasn't until I was a bit older that I started noticing the strangeness that so many others picked up on. It started off small. I remember sitting in the front room with our new puppy sound asleep on my knee when suddenly he bolted upright, completely alert and let out a soft guttural growl while staring intently at the door to my right. A few seconds later, the door creaked open, slowly moving until it was fully open. I sat, frozen in silence, and watched as my dog's eyes followed something move across the room, his head tilting. I remember putting my hand in front of his face and him moving and dodging my fingers to carry on watching. He followed it until it reached the fireplace and then sighed and went back to sleep. Things like this would happen a lot. Doors creaking open or suddenly violently slamming shut out of nowhere. The ceilings would creak and bend like there was someone walking on the floorboards above making the crystal chandeliers dance around. Even when I was alone in the house I was never scared. I would put it down to the house being old or a draft or something. It was when my sister and I moved our bedroom to the attic that more bizarre things started happening. We would both wake up in the night to the sound of the door creaking and soft but prominent footsteps coming up the stairs. The sound would stop when it reached the carpet at the top of the stairs and our 90s style karaoke, which was situated in the centre of the room, would switch on and start playing full blast. And I mean full blast. The first time it happened, our dad came running up to shout at us for playing around in the middle of the night. I remember the look of pure confusion on his face when he saw both of us wide-eyed in our beds at the other end of the room. Even though it sounds strange, it never felt scary or alarming, more like someone playing a joke on us. And eventually we would get up blurry-eyed and pull the plug out of the wall and go back to bed like it was nothing. We would forget about it by the morning and our parents didn't seem particularly concerned or surprised, which I didn't pick up on at the time. 
Other more notable events happened throughout the years. It sounds odd, but I would experience an intense feeling of being watched whenever I would use a hairdryer. I know it sounds crazy, but I would feel so uncomfortable, like someone was screaming in the background behind the noise of the device, to the point of me turning it off to check if there was someone else in the house. I would feel this encroaching feeling of fear and panic, and the hairs on my arms would stand up. It would start off small, and I would try my best to shake it off and suppress it, telling myself it was ridiculous. It would slowly build and build until I would feel this terrifying sensation of someone running up to me behind me with their arms outstretched, and I would throw the hairdryer on the floor and stop. I could never explain it, and it still doesn't make sense to me. What's weirder is that my sister recently described the exact same thing happening to her when we lived there, even though we never discussed it at the time. Another strange event occurred when I was a teenager. My mum and I were arguing about something or nothing, as teenagers and mums do, until it became a blazing row, with both of us screaming at each other from across the kitchen. Suddenly, and out of nowhere, the large clock above the fireplace flew off the wall with such force and shattered across the floor. We both stopped in complete shock and stared at one another. Being a stubborn teen, I stomped off into the next room, not wanting to acknowledge how odd it was, and left my mum to clean up the shattered glass. I remember stopping and hearing her sigh and say, Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I took it too far, as she brushed up the glass. She didn't know I was still within earshot. I asked her later that night who she was talking to, and she looked a bit shocked and a bit embarrassed that I'd heard her. She smiled sheepishly and said she was talking to her mum. My grandma had passed away a few years before, and I remember thinking it was sweet, but for some reason I didn't believe her. This wasn't the only event to happen involving me and mum. We were together one night and watching Most Haunted, of all things, and discussing that if spirits were real, it must be very insulting and invasive for a bunch of people to run around screaming with cameras and profiteering out of their lives and tragic events when Derek Cora did his classic Is Anybody There? in the background of our conversation. Without hesitation, the huge chandelier hanging in the kitchen came crashing down and smashed in a million pieces on the kitchen island beneath it, making us both scream for dear life and jump to our feet. Clinging to one another, we nervously peered through the door to assess the damage. We stood there, speechless, surveying the hundreds of jagged, broken crystals covering the floor and the large crack in the middle of the island. When our eyes finally met, we inexplicably burst out laughing and were completely hysterical. Again, it didn't feel scary, like it should have, but it definitely felt like it was deliberate and too well-timed to be a mere coincidence. Probably the strangest and most unexplainable thing to happen in that house occurred in front of all four of us one night. Me, my sister and my dad were reading and relaxing together after school. I was lying on the rug on my belly, my head propped up by my elbows watching Blue Peter when I became vaguely aware of the sound of my dad's guitar in the background. The strumming was repetitive and out of tune, like someone was running their hand along the strings over and over again just to be annoying. I turned around to tell my dad to stop, and saw him and my sister sat on the sofa, open-mouthed and staring towards the fireplace. It was then I realised that my dad wasn't holding his guitar. I followed their gaze to the guitar leaning against the fireplace. The strings were moving frantically, the sound vibrating against the wall when suddenly the guitar stood bolt upright from its leaning position and then slammed down against the wall. 
My dad and my sister gasped out loud in sheer disbelief, and I shot to my feet and ran to tell my mum who was cooking in the kitchen. The moment my foot reached the kitchen step, something flew past my face, missing me by inches. My mum screamed and ran over to check if I was okay. The large ornamental fish that was bolted to the wall above the door lay shattered at my feet. This thing was huge and weighed a ton and was held in place by two large metal screws drilled into the wall. There was no way it could simply have fallen like that. I think that was the first time we acknowledged as a family that there was some kind of presence within that house. Something that was always there, watching us and always interested in our dynamic. Like I say... It didn't feel bad or ominous, almost like someone or something that would react to our emotions or the energy we were emitting. Something mischievous and playful and that liked children, but at the same time melancholy and sad at times. It's hard to explain. I always thought it was the house itself. Like it was a being within its own right and had its own peculiar and at times frightening energy. It was many years later when we eventually left that house that my parents divulged a secret that they had been keeping for all those years. The person living there before us had died in that house under very sad circumstances. Apparently they were lovely and kind and well-liked and it was a huge shock when they passed on. Suddenly it began to make sense. The way my parents could afford that big old house, the way they never seemed surprised when strange things happened, the way my mum used to speak to someone who wasn't there when they did. I remember feeling really cold and uneasy when they told us, but in all honesty, I wasn't shocked. They said they didn't know how to explain it to two little kids. They didn't want to frighten us or put ideas in our heads, and I understand why they felt like that. I've lived in several properties since, and I've never felt anything like that house. The energy was just so strange, so intense, you could feel it reverberating from the walls. It wasn't unpleasant, just unnerving at times. I have to admit I'm glad to live in a house that just feels like a house now, not its own entity. I still don't know if I believe in ghosts or spirits, even after experiencing such strange, unexplainable events, but I definitely believe that energy and events can imprint somewhere like an echo through the years, and if it's strong enough we can pick up on it at times, and encourage it almost, until it manifests in a physical way, whether it's a sound or a movement, I don't know. What I do know is... I will never forget that house and how it felt to live there. I often think of the person who lived there before us. I really hope they found peace, or at least amusement in the incidents that occurred in the time that we spent there. Look, I know that you said in that story that the spirit that lived there was lovely and well-respected in the community and had died in the house, and I understand that's very sad. But I don't know if flinging a big ceramic fish at your head is, is the way to get attention. I'd feel pretty, I'd feel pretty annoyed if that happened to me. I'd be thinking, hey, like that could have seriously injured me and I'm not impressed with it. And dragging down big chandeliers, all that jazz. I'd be very annoyed. I'd be like, I know you were nice when you were alive, but like cut it out. Give it a rest. I can totally understand why your parents didn't tell you though. And I don't really think they would have had a need to tell you as children that somebody had died in the house. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell my children, do you know what I mean? I wouldn't be like look, sit down kids, we need to talk about the fact that somebody died in this house and it was very tragic and unexpected and uh, sleep well. It just seems that telling you guys that would have freaked you out unnecessarily and made you overthink things that maybe didn't need to be overthought. And actually, as you said, when you moved into the house, it was like a dream. You know, it was like you had loads of fun exploring and all that jazz. So it was probably the right thing to do not to tell you guys. And story number two comes from Terry. 
I'm from Belfast in the north of Ireland and in 2006 my girlfriend, now my wife, and I went to Dublin for the weekend as our new house was being painted. We were staying in my girlfriend's sister's flat in a house near Croke Park. She was away with her boyfriend and on the Saturday night we had a night out in Fibsborough, had a great night and got back to the flat before midnight. Before going to bed I went into the bathroom and used the toilet. I felt the room grow slightly warmer and then noticed a white man about six feet tall in his thirties with black medium length hair, clean shaven, wearing a pink sweater, a white shirt collar underneath and jeans. He was standing with his hands by his side and was just staring at the wall, no more than two metres away from me. The weird thing is, as if a strange man standing in the bathroom with me wasn't weird enough, is that he was too tall to be looking into the mirror that was hanging from the nail on the wall. I wasn't frightened and I didn't feel any threat. I could smell him and I sensed that his name was Michael. Don't ask me why I felt that, but I just did. I attempted contact by asking him, How's it going? Or words to that effect. And nothing. So I calmly turned, walked out of the bathroom and gently closed the door behind me, me leaving the light on. I walked up the few stairs towards the room where we were sleeping and when I turned I could see Michael was still standing where I had left him, through the two panels of distorted glass in the pine door. When I went into the bedroom I told my girlfriend what I had just seen in a very calm manner. She didn't believe me, so therefore did not go and see for herself. I went to sleep. I had a good sleep and when I woke my girlfriend asked about my mate. When I asked who, she mentioned the man I'd seen in the bathroom the previous night. I searched my mind trying to recall an altercation when we were out. I asked for clarification so she reminded me and then I remembered. Six months later when my girlfriend's sister and her boyfriend were up in Belfast for a wedding which the groom suddenly decided wasn't happening that morning, I tried to tell them about what I saw in their flat. My girlfriend's sister thought I was referring to an apparition several of their older sisters witnessed when they were all young, in the top room of the house we were standing in in the late 1970s. It was a monk looking out of the window at the bottom of their bed. When I told her it wasn't that, it was in her flat in Dublin, she screamed. Her boyfriend didn't believe me. However, to this day I can still see him through the glass in that bathroom door and I wonder who he was. About eight years ago, while I was preparing to start a fortnight of night shifts, I would sit up late, have a glass of wine and watch a movie with the baby monitor on so I could go up and tend to our second son so my wife could sleep. Then in the morning, when everyone had gone, I would get my sleep. But this one night, I thought I heard my young son stir. So I went up the dark stairs to the second floor of our late Victorian terraced house. We'd only been the third family to inhabit it since it was built in 1900 and we had done quite a lot of work on it to make it our own. It was now our home. Upon reaching the first landing outside the bathroom, I sensed someone at the bottom of the next set of stairs, moving into the darkness. My eyes had yet to adjust. I felt a light hand touch on my elbow, and I thought I heard my wife whisper, He's okay. So I carefully passed the narrow gap between us and replied that I knew he was and carried on taking each step one at a time, aware of those that creaked. But just a few stairs up, I realised that my wife was not there. She was in bed the next floor up. Feeling slightly freaked out, I checked on my son, knowing he was okay, and then checked on my wife who was fast asleep in our bed. 
Whatever I had experienced, I knew what I believed to be a female spirit was caring and gentle and therefore I had no need to fear what I had just felt and heard. When I returned downstairs, I could see the corner on the landing where it happened much clearer as my eyes adjusted to the light and just felt thankful for it and I whispered a little thank you as I passed. The rest of the early morning passed without further incident and once again my wife was not overly alarmed when I recounted it to her. I honestly believe she thinks I'm full of shit, but she knows I would never lie about such a thing. She knows me well enough to know I would not make up anything that would frighten her. I'd started to hear and feel further things in this house around this time. When I was sleeping before work I would hear my name being called or somebody nudging me. Sometimes it was a loud call or a light whisper in my ear. I was always alone in the house. I always woke on time and learned not to worry. I often thanked whoever it was. Since we moved into the house, we always felt a warm, welcoming presence. And after 13 years and three children, we became the third family to leave that old house. I have no explanation why or how I've experienced these things. Perhaps I'm more open-minded than others, maybe. As a believer, I'm more susceptible to seeing paranormal or even supernatural things. Do guardian angels exist? Is it instinct or do we want to believe it to be God? I don't know. But I have one theory for me personally. I was an undiagnosed twin. My mother did not know she was about to give birth to me until after my identical twin brother was born and she was told she was about to deliver a second child. Clearly unprepared, she said she didn't want it. What she did not know was that I had suffered a brain hemorrhage as my brother was being delivered and was very ill. Once I was delivered and examined, the doctors and nurses realised that something was wrong and took me away to intensive care. I spent a long time there and my mother was told that it was very probable that I might not survive. I believe I was given the last rites at least once. I spent a long time in hospital as an infant and I've always suffered some pain, discomfort and restrictions in my life as a consequence. Has slight brain damage or a near-death experience enabled me to have such experiences? I don't know. But one time, when I was around 10 or 11, I told my father and two older male cousins that I had experienced someone touching, someone brushing past me while alone in the locked bathroom or while I was in bed. They all exchanged a knowing look and then one of my cousins asked my dad if I knew and he shook his head. I have no idea what they were referring to and to this day my father says he does not recall the incident and has no idea what I was talking about. Many moons ago I used to live in Fibsborough and I also lived in those houses near Crow Park too so when I was reading that story I was like woohoo I know those places. I've had many a good night out in Fibsborough too and many a messy night out in Fibsborough. Very strange that you could still see that man after you had acknowledged him and said how are you doing? And then went to go back to bed and you turned and you could still see him through the glass. Do you remember the bit in Sixth Sense where they, they where obviously you realise that Cole is seeing all these people and he says there there's a kid that or a teenager that walks out of the bedroom or into his bedroom and says, hey, do you want to see where my dad kept the gun? That's what I was seeing in my head with that description of that person. We also love a polite ghost around here. A ghost looking after your baby and then you having the manners to say thank you to that same ghost. We love it. We love to see it. And story number three comes from Mimo. I've got some stories that up until this day I've never been able to explain. Stories that neither I nor my family can deny. 
My first nope with the paranormal began around 22 years ago when I was around seven. My family consisted of two brothers, my pregnant mother and my stepdad who had just moved into a new home. The activities didn't start right away, but rather snowballed into an eventual avalanche of paranormal bullshit. Looking back, a thirst I would get every morning was the first sign that something was up. The first time it happened was only a few weeks after we moved in. My seven-year-old self got out of bed, opened my bedroom door, turned to head towards the kitchen when I was stopped in my tracks. Standing by the aquarium located at the start of the hall were two small yellow figures. Let me tell you, chain smoking a pack of cigarettes and shooting up a gallon of espresso couldn't make me turtle head harder than I did at that moment. The figures weren't a solid yellow. They were more of a fog or a haze. Thinking I just needed to clear my eye buggers, I shut my door to do so. I then cracked the door to see that they were still standing there, only this time I could see their little arms chasing the movement of the fish. I muster up whatever courage could be expected from a child my age and fucking bolted to the kitchen. After time, the fear slowly dissipated and I began to stand between them. They were about my own height and wouldn't vanish even when I ran my arm through them to see if they had any mass. This ritual of waking up, standing between them and attempting to touch them eventually led me to believe they were just harmless dead children who enjoyed our aquarium. Considering child ghosts almost made me shit myself, what happened next damn near made me barf my soul out. The real phantasmic shit hit the fan after my sister was born. I began having a strange feeling that something dark was in the house. When my sister turned four, she was gifted a Barney plush and cabbage patch doll. Unfortunately, both of the fuckers were the type that sang when you squeezed them. To make a long story short, my sister would chuck them in my closet because they would run around her room at night and sing mean songs. We brought it up to the adults and instead of throwing them away, my grandparents who would visit from Mexico every year thought it would be a swell idea to add a wooden Pinocchio doll to the mix. The Pinocchio doll was specifically gifted to me. I just threw it on the pile in my closet. Keeping them there worked for a while, but after time they would end up all over the house, this time not restricted by the night. Eventually my mom indulged me and put a lock on my closet, but this didn't stop it. At this point it was so bad that I was hearing stuff move around in my closet at night and I started sleeping face down due to the presence I felt lingering just outside of my covers. I chose to sleep face down due to the unshakable feeling that if I slept on my back this entity would pull my soul out of my mouth. Around the same time the shuffling began, a guitar also located in my closet began to play. Perhaps in denial, my mom and stepdad told me it was probably just a mouse. Either that was one talented mouse, I've got a demon in my closet, or I'm batshit. I begged them to listen, but they didn't want to hear it. It was then that my mom had her first heart attack one night when she had gone to bed before my stepdad. She claimed that she woke up to see a figure standing beside her. Thinking it was my stepdad, she didn't fear it initially. It was only when the figure climbed on top of her and stuck its arms through her chest and literally squeezed her heart that was her recollection. This happened three other occasions in the time that we lived there. The next time the guitar played, they listened. Thankfully, my grandparents were visiting that time. When everyone huddled in my room and waited a few minutes in the dark, it began. 
The tune the entity played when trying to steal my soul was finally heard by all attending. From the dark, my grandmother calmly says, There is pure evil in that closet. She and my grandfather fell into deep prayer. After what seemed like hours, my bedroom window shook violently. Once the shaking stopped, my grandmother said, It's gone. However, it wasn't. The activity only stopped for a little while. Then the dolls started ending up all over the house again. My stepdad and I took all of those who moved, cut them up and dumped them in the garbage bins a good distance away from our house. The next morning, the entire lot was on the front doorstep, all intact. We moved out that same week. If my child was complaining about their toys moving around at night time to the extent where you have to put a lock on the closet door, that is some chucky shit. Okay, that I mean, that is... That is incredibly terrifying. I just have like a vision of something crouched in the closet, like playing with these toys. No, that is so terrifying. Oh, and I don't know. I think I would move out. I honestly think I would move out as well. If I was in that situation, I knew I'd cut up those toys. I knew I'd put them in the bin and then they appeared back on my doorstep. I honestly, I honestly think I'd move out. And I know we always say it's not as simple as just moving out, but I would be, I'd be packing up my shit. I'd be moving back in with my mom. That's what I'd be doing. No way. And story number four comes from Micah and Ashley. I was inspired to write in after hearing the story recently of a girl seeing a wolf in her room. When I was young, probably around five or six, I also had a regular wolf visitor. He would simply stand alongside my bed and stare back at me. This thing was enormous, but it never felt menacing and I was never scared of it. Perhaps it was an omen, as now I'm a vet tech that works at a shelter with plenty of large dogs, including wolf-coyote hybrids on occasion. Flash forward a few years, and I began seeing a shadow person that would simply stand in the corner of my room and watch me. This I was completely terrified of. It was the blackest of black, and I could feel the seething hatred it had for me. It would occasionally try to reach out and touch me, but it could never make contact with me like something was blocking it from touching me. It's important to note that I was never sleeping or close to sleeping when I saw this, so I know it wasn't sleep paralysis. I moved out of my parents' house and into a lovely little cabin in the middle of nowhere, happily married. Our house is in the middle of the backwoods of Ohio. There's nothing but woods and crop and fields around here. The shadow person didn't follow me to the house, thank God, and I felt safe and relaxed there. Until one night. I was alone with my dogs. I feel it's necessary to say that I'm not afraid of being alone in the woods at night. That doesn't bother me, especially with my dogs with me and my cats, which people should definitely fear more than my pit bull who would just lick you to death. We were watching TV on the couch when I heard a distinct pair of boots clunking across my wooden front porch. This was odd for many reasons. How did I not see headlights coming down my driveway? How did my dogs not hear them coming before now? Who is coming to my house at night without texting me first? My dogs cocked their heads towards the door, so I know they heard it too. Being the introvert I am, I immediately hit the floor and shimmied over to where I could see out the window. There was nobody there. Now I was sweating and my dogs were growling. I started to dial my husband to get his butt home when I heard the blood-chilling sound of my front door lock. I snapped my head over and saw the latch flip to unlocked, and then immediately back to locked. I saw it move, and there was no one there to move it. My husband came home shortly after, and nothing has happened since. 
Perhaps the shadow man tried to come for me after all. Now for the best and final story. My husband grew up in a beautiful house in the middle of nowhere. His family raised cattle and had acres of field for the cattle and horses to roam and graze. One snowy evening, his mom and dad were sitting at their table looking out the back deck over a field. They saw through the snow a large floating light sink down to the ground and then soon after take off again directly upward. The next day, his dad went outside and there was, you guessed it, a giant crop circle that was burnt four feet down into the ground. He decided to get some of the soil there tested and it came back positive for radiation. The grass took abnormally long to grow back in the circle and the horses and cattle refused to go near it. I've recorded these backwards, as in from 15 down, please don't ask why, but at some point later in the series of 15 Days of Fear, I do talk about the wolves because there are more wolf stories. And it's, you know, I'm not, so I'm not going to repeat myself, but there is, we've gotten so many wolf stories from people since we aired that original wolf mini episode. Like so many people have experienced wolves visiting in their childhood, which I think is insane. And I talk about it in further detail in a later episode. I think it's only like two episodes away. I would be so convinced if I was living in the middle of nowhere that it was a person that was coming to get me. Like, I don't think I would for a second think it was anything paranormal until I physically saw the lock, like unlock and lock again with nobody there. But I would be convinced that it was a person rather than paranormal. And I think like being a person would scare me way more than it being something paranormal. And as for the UFO, we're just going to gloss over that. We're going to pretend that didn't happen. No way. No how. None of this radiation. None of this animals refusing to go and eat from it. No. Thank you to Georgia, Terry, Mimo, Micah and Ashley for your stories. Remember, the last story was from February the 11th, 2021. If you'd like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next time.